Hello and welcome. My guest is Australia's Alex Griffin, who performs under the name Ermine Coat. When Alex was studying abroad at the University of Vermont, a chance online encounter led to him meeting his American bandmates. I spoke to Alex, Kayla, Griffin, and Jack as they were nearing the end of a week-long mini-tour before Alex was to return home to Perth. First, here's Hillary Clinton from their performance in Pennsylvania the night before. So thanks guys for uh, <laughs> doing this interview and such. Uh, how's the tour going? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a good tour. Quality. Mm-hmm. Lots of some good men <laughs> in Brattleboro. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Providence is great. Um, Brattleboro is great. Derp is weird as hell. Yeah. Bar vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Bar vibes. But uh, we in, ties. Por- in Portsmouth we saw. A drawbridge go we up. We just watched that it. That was so cool. Yeah, against it, was like it was so cool. Three uh, TV thrills here. Yeah. <laughs> this has been like half tour for the for music and half tour like show Alex the weird idiosyncrasies of Northeast America. <laughs> Getting well New Englanded. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, is this your first time touring through America? This is my first time abroad. This is my first time playing music in a place that isn't um, Melbourne or Perth. So yeah, it's pretty great. What's uh, the reaction been? <laughs> what has the reaction been? We sold some tapes. That's yeah, good. people are into it. Yeah, it's people yeah. seem to really. Yeah, I think um, I, 
I think maybe if I slap myself in the face less when we're performing, it might go better. <laughs> Either that, that's the linchpin of the whole appeal, I can't tell. But, um, yeah, it's been good. Um, I think people are interested. I mean, something I, I kind of noted, um, just watching bands the last couple of months here, is that there aren't many kind of people playing with the idea of the frontman very much. Um, and that's something I'm kind of fascinated by, like, why, why are people interested in Brian Ferry? You know, what's he doing? So yeah, it's nice to just try and freak people out by seeing Ferry. Do you want to go somewhere else? So you guys have quite the uh, boisterous live show. Is this uh, something you've been doing for a long time, that style of performing? Me? Yeah. Um, I started off doing like karaoke shows at home. No one else was doing karaoke. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? It's time. And I couldn't... Time! And I couldn't find uh, anyone to play music with me, so I, I was sort of being in this um, state of having to like, fill 30 seconds of like an instrumental track by doing something. I was just holding a microphone, so I'd just be dancing, getting in people's faces. So one time I got the music turned off at a campus show uh, by going underneath the table and like humping upwards until the table fell over. And, uh, and so you glasses. turned the music off? No, or? the music got turned off for me very, oh, oh. very nicely. You got turned off. By some gentlemen <laughs> who were employed by the premises. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's how I kind of cut my teeth on freaking people out for small amounts of money. Yeah. So, are, would you say you're more comfortable doing karaoke or your original music? And uh... um, Well, I mean, it was always, like, my own music. I just, like, take the vocals off the tracks and just, like, start, oh. yeah, you know, going, going ham as <laughs> in the current parlance. Um, yeah, I would, I, I feel more uncomfortable holding a guitar and just being sedate, you know, and... I pull very good guitar faces. Jack pulls great guitar faces, and so does Griffin. And, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I just look like I want to hurt people when I'm holding a guitar, because I've got this concentration face on, um, and it's not very appealing. Yeah. So I guess that's why you turn it over to other people to play the I, instruments and yeah, you know, you delegate let yourself go. people to what they're good at. They're good at being a ham. <laughs> they're good at being hams and also being talented musicians at the same time, you know. Well, I'm just the bassist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to keep our ham to a minimum. Yeah. Like, maybe there will be some, like, sub-antics, but mostly, like, we, we kind of just stand back and... Like let Alex do his like exhibitionist thing. (laughs) (laughs) I've got more feelings that can contain Jack. Yeah, seriously. There's a lot of dissonance in your music, uh, and it's like a pretty prevalent aspect of it. I'm wondering what draws you to put the kind of dissonance in there. I remember watching like episodes like American Idol and like Australian Idol, like the early audition rounds, and like. I was like 10 or 11, I haven't really started learning music, um, learning, uh, can you see the quotation marks? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, like the singers who would get rejected, like offhand by the judges, I was always like, well, their voices are like so much more interesting, and like, and like the people who are singing perfectly, I was like, man, that's boring, mm-hmm. that's weird, but they're just like doing visible scales with their hands, like mm-hmm. Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, yeah. Yeah, really off-putting. So I, I think, yeah, I'm just drawn to um, the blue notes and the weird notes and, like, the, 
you know, the minus sixths, all that. There's a lot of minus sixths. I was thinking about that when I was going to sleep. I don't know. No, I don't always think about my music. I was, just, I, was, I, was think, I was thinking about the song, which I'm trying to finish. And I was like, wow, man, this is just all minus six. That's off the chain. Yeah. I know. I think, I mean, I think you can, like, every, like, path-breaking thing is done with dissonance. You know, like, dissonance is, like, a way to coming to new consonances. So, I mean, that's ultimately the path you have to follow if you're interested in doing something which it doesn't sound like hey there to Lila <laughs> I think like at least relationally that's how you break the path yeah I know I read a review Slint. <laughs> I read a review of your music that called it outsider pop I thought that was an interesting term I'm wondering if you agree with that or if that even means anything at all well I, I like study outsider art and like I'm an insider <laughs> like I'm I'm not a schizophrenic harmless man mm-hmm. or anything and I know what the rules are and I know what they aren't so yeah I think outside of pop's probably wrong but I used it once in a press release when I was like, <laughs> when I, was like I decided to write a press release once when I was 18 because I wanted to it's like mailing a CD somewhere in Melbourne mm-hmm. yeah so I'm guilty I don't think you have to be like an outsider by definition of like outsider art-ish to like make outsider music though in a way like i don't know you are like quote unquote an insider but your music is like kind of in that outsider art realm and like the sense that like it's just you and not really you're not really like i don't know maybe i'm Imposing this on you, but it doesn't seem like you're really you might trying. Might as well be like <laughs> in yeah. a mental institution. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. your music could be coming from anywhere because like, it's just you. Like yeah. when it's us, it's not really outsider in any way. But you know, and but then you run into the thing like once you claim you're an outsider, once you have like awareness, yeah, yeah. awareness and like a platform on which to claim. I am an outsider, then you kind of cease to become an outsider. Yeah, yeah. and that's, I know, I, I'm getting probably a very different answer than when I would have been six months ago, just because, like, where I come from, like, I am very much on the outside. Yeah. Like, but then you come to Burlington, yeah, and yeah. there's, like, yeah. six or seven artists that just do the karaoke style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, great, and another yeah. karaoke well, artist. Well, when I think of music in Perth, I think of, like, electronic, really produced stuff. And a lot of like the that kind of thing, and like so, I think in that respect, like I that's I mean, you know, I also don't know how much I can speak to the music scene. But you know, you pretty much um got it hung drawn and quartered right there. Efficient. Was there any shock coming from a place where you are kind of like considered eccentric or different or something and then going to a place where it's just all weirdos? Did you have to like... <laughs> whoa, whoa, the great. <laughs> you think you're better than me? Huh? <laughs> Man, we came here to be interviewed, not insulted. Uh. You guys ever seen that um, Serge Gainsbourg interview where he starts like trying to grope Whitney Houston halfway through? What? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh my god. Nineties were a difficult time, and yeah, he was uh, he was drooling. <laughs> he was busily drooling. He was like, "You are a very sexual woman," <laughs> <laughs> and he's not talking to her eyes, you know. He's a few inches south Jeez. of that. Um, it was. 
I had no idea. Yeah, it was really enlightening, like coming over here and just seeing like other people's, like coming people who come from like similar kind of um, intentions, like how they do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Joey Pizza Slice, Life Music with Andre, like very uh, exciting, interesting songwriters mm -hmm. who are um, very fearless about just being freaky, you know? So it was kind of gratifying. Yeah, well, they're doing it, and they're, they're really doing it, and I didn't know it was possible to just do it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'd just been doing it, but I, not in the same way they had. Like, they're just double doing it. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> because of like finishing school and getting some scholarships and stuff and I spent most of it on alcohol <laughs> um, but the one thing I did buy that was good was um, a little digital 8-track and I record pretty much everything on that and I just use Audacity mm -hmm. like and I find it kind of I mean everyone's kind of on their own trip but when people who are making like just really kind of like in, in Perth there's this huge kind of post-rock scene like people are just blasting like like bands with who name themselves after their streets and just like have really arbitrary lyrics about mm -hmm. you know um, wind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like they spend like thousands of dollars going to like recording studios and like triple delay echo phaser wave pedals or whatever. Um, it's like maybe I spent like four hundred dollars on musical equipment mm -hmm. in the last like two and a half years, and, like probably tops. So mm -hmm. what you pay for that Hannah Montana guitar? Um, that was a that was a, that was a blow that purchase. Like, <laughs> that was thirty five US, you know. What was the exchange rate at the point like eighty eight cents the dollar? Fair point. Yeah. So um, I know. I think like I can like the way I write like a record. It's like I never like write a song that's finished before I record it. Like it's kind of like this interplay. It's like it feels ripe. Like it feels ready, and then mm -hmm. I just sit down and I, I nut it out. Mm -hmm. And like it always changes shape. I just have like 
some chords and some lyrics. Like, it's like a phrase or two, and I just let it unfold from there. Mm-hmm. I was finishing the parking lots. Um, I gave myself a date, and I'd set a date that there was going to be an album launch in my backyard. And a fortnight beforehand, I had really severe tonsillitis, and I'd recorded like two of the ten songs. Uh, it was barely finished, and I was like spending most of my time horizontal, like finishing a magazine I was editing at the time. Uh, so I just, but like everything was ready in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't know what it sounded like or what it was going to be like, but it was ready. So I just sat down and it just happened. Mm-hmm. I'm just really looking forward to the next time that happens at the moment. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just happens. Like it's, it's weird when we're playing these songs because they come from like a really different time. I'm just looking forward to the songs that belong to this time and feeling alienated from them in the future. Mm-hmm. And you'll have. Yeah some totally irrelevant situation to play those in. And yeah. yeah. Well, it's... That's I, just your... Yeah. I know, like, a song's only finished for me when there's not, nothing of me left in it. Like, because, I mean, I think, like, all songs, I think, start from some kind of personal impulse. But you have to sort of drain, like, the nebulous kind of, like, selfishness of the songwriting impulse out of it. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes like something abstract and freestanding, but it still like expresses what's underneath the personal layer mm-hmm. of the idea. Like, cause I mean, it's like substructure, superstructure kind of thing. Um, not to get all like Marxist on you <laughs> at, at nine in the morning, but um, I think you bore yourself to tears eventually if you're just writing about yourself. You have to like get what's post self mm-hmm. out of it. I don't know. Yeah. I kind of meandered there, yeah, sorry. Whatever. Well, the lyrics are kind of, they're pretty abstract, and I wonder if you're usually uh, telling a specific narrative, or if it's just kind of about creating a certain mood or atmosphere or something. Atmosphere is for people who sell air fresheners. No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, all the lyrics are about very specific things. Like, I mean, a friend of mine got tied up in a chair and left in the garden for hours. Uh, her dad came around to fix the shower. Actually, I don't think he came around to fix the shower. I just think it's very convenient rhyme. But um, all these things happen. It's just a matter of... Um, I mean, it's like... I mean, I can't write poetry. That's why I have to write songs. Like, I just can't write poetry at all. I don't have the... And have the skill for um, shaving off words and meter and all of that, but um, it's just a matter of fact of making something, or like trying to make something concrete out of strains of nothing, you know. Yeah, it's interesting to me that you describe the songwriting impulse as a selfish thing, um, because I know that you, just from talking to you, that before you've used songs as like empathetic devices, like mechanisms of empathy, like. When your friend dropped out of school. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, the song dropping out in the album is about me trying to, like, view things from how she was feeling at the time. And, like, the things that people were saying to her, like, yo, just figure it out. It's like, well, shit's fucked, man. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, most of my songs are trying to understand someone else's point of view, like, someone else I know. I'm just sort of, like, trying to get inside their head and being like, oh, oh, yeah, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, um, in the song Masking Tape, is about um, sort of trying to be the point in between me and someone else at the time. Like, we were just kind of knocking boots and it wasn't really going anywhere. And we were just trying to figure out what was going on and just trying to figure out 
what what was actually happening between us at the time. It's a good song. See, it bothers me because like interpersonal fucked up shit needs to happen for me to write a good song. <laughs> How often are the songs successful in uh, giving you a new perspective to the situation? Always. Always? Yeah, it just, it just always happens three or four months down the line. It's, it's, it's more like just learning something I should have picked up months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like just becoming a better person after the fact, I guess. Yeah. Okay. yeah, gonna write a song about Kayla driving for nine hours. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be like, oh man, shit, I was a dick. It was, I was like opening pretzels all the time. <laughs> so, so if you didn't write songs, would you be like a terrible person <laughs> with no empathy? Oh, you know? so you're a better person now. Yeah, that's oh, a scary okay. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm always <laughs> going to be a terrible person. Before and after no. comparison. <laughs> yeah. This is Alex before the song was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alex, Alex after the song. When you flick out the photo ready. album, he has me beating up a harmless woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not funny. It's <laughs> That's who I was, man. Yeah, I haven't heard the harmless woman song yet. Oh, yeah. oh wow. You can cut that part out. <laughs> Driving along in my Volvo. I saw her on the side of the street, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I drive a Volvo. <laughs> You've done a couple covers, like uh, was it Bon Jovi? I think <laughs> it, it was, it was, <laughs> it was uh, a song of the it was a homonymous 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 homonym. It was a song of the same name by the band Talk Talk. Okay. Oh, yeah, the 80s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bon Jovi did a cover of it also. No, I think it's a different. Like it sounded similar. It's, it's, oh, it's no, like, no, no, no. No Doubt. No Doubt does a cover of the Talk Talk version. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. It's my life. Oh, yeah, that It's my life. Yeah. So I understand. I'm so uncultured, man. So you did Bon Jovi. Talk about your love of Bon Jovi. You're from New Jersey, like, you know, oh, you yeah, know, you know, that's my no, excuse. You know nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you did a Springsteen cover of It's My Life. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Sinatra, anyway. Um, yeah, covers, I don't know, I'm really interested in, because that are like pretty much all of my songs always reference another song mm. in several ways. Like, firstly, it's stuff, like, I don't know, I never realized anything until after I've done it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's why that, that happened. It's <laughs> like, there's a bit in um, Masking Tape, which is, like, taken from a Stroke song. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. That, it's like well, yeah. this, this vamp riff from Take It All. Yeah, and I remember when you were teaching me that song, I was like, wait, so which clean song is this <laughs> yeah. that you're ripping off? Oh, no, no, it's Time's New Viking. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Well, it's cool because you you don't only just like cover full songs, but in a lot of your songs you like directly incorporate another song, like Spando Ballet in uh, Police Academy, yeah. or like Suspicious Minds at the end of uh, Yeah Dropping Out. It's like, which is cool, I think. Uh, well, something like it's like you're having like a conversation with like the artists that you want to pay tribute to. I don't know, it's, it's neat. Yeah, I like it, because, um, 
like I think something that is okay like take novels for example I mean you read like uh, Freedom by Jonathan Franzen and it's a novel which has as one of its main protagonists it's like you know a pop musician who's you know mistracking a big whatever but it still has this really awkward relationship to like it completely doesn't capture at all like the way in which people actually relate to music and how it's like it's like a really central part of the fabric of how we relate to each other I mean like it's like I mean like 80s pop songs, whatever, Elvis, I mean, and there, I think there are a lot of people who are kind of in this rush to kind of create the new, or whatever, like, and uh, often creating the new, when you're from, like, a position of, like, privilege is just a form of colonialization. I mean, you have kind of bands exploring, like, the new sounds, you have, like, Vampire Weekend, you know, kind of making Cape Cod Quasa Quasa, which to me is like extremely insulting. <laughs> um, you have, I mean, instead of um, like it's it's like when people, I mean, I grew up in in Perth, and like the, a common thing you hear coming from like white kids there is that they have no culture. But when you say you have no culture, what you're doing is you're making yourself like a blank slate by which everything else becomes exotic and that automatically puts you in this kind of position of, of privilege and kind of demeans everyone else. And I think it's really important to like reach back to um, the things that have, you know, inspired you and form part of who you are. Because I mean, your song, all songwriting is reference. All songwriting is just like a bricolage of already existing material and it's an arrangement of that. And um, I don't know, when I'm kind of lost, I go back to like, the Camus quote that's in like the the gatefold sleeve of um, the Scott Walker album four, and it says uh, something to the extent of uh, a home the journey of a man's woman's experience is a slow trek back to the rediscovery of the first few things that you know opened opened his mind to um, experience you know and. Um, like Suspicious Minds, I heard that song for the first time when I was like four, and it still does the same thing to me, you know. And I mean, same with like True by Spandau Ballet. I mean, I could watch that video ten times in a row and lose nothing, and I just gain more, <laughs> you know. And so I mean, yeah. If anything, that's the thing I want to do more. I think interpolation is something like, especially when you look at um, uh, like say, you know, like say the Wu Tang. Whatever, I mean, like, the song Can't Get to Sleep, uh, that interpolates, like, I think a tiny bit of, like, just a fragment of um, the soul song that I'm forgetting the name of, unfortunately. But I mean, what it does with that is it makes it alive, it makes it new, it makes it personal. And, like, all material is old and personal. The, I, I think there's a real arrogance in the idea that you can play three guitar chords and it becomes new because you're doing it. Mm -hmm. What you have to do is you have to reach back mm -hmm. to what's already, what's already out there and then reappropriate that and make that new, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, you're not going anywhere, just playing one foot five. Brahms did that, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of how important karaoke is for the psyche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you're not re there's no one who's reaching for anything new in karaoke. They're just reaching deeper and deeper into their like sense of self and then yeah. Like, yeah well not only that you're like both with what you're talking about like incorporating older songs into your songs and karaoke you're kind of seeking connection to other people too yeah. and like 
relating something that's familiar to everyone so that you can have this like connection through the music. Yeah, there's this really a, a kind of interesting dynamic you, you get like karaoke shows. I think I find like a lot of times, like the ones that I, I've been to recently, people like the crowd will get really into it. But then like occasionally they'll get one person who walks up the steps and like sees like some, some weirdo like, you know, like singing into a microphone with a tape player playing and it's like, like, it's like kind of turns around like, oh geez, what if I walked into it and then walks back out? Yeah. But like, I think for the most part, people like kind of really relate to it. And I say, no, there's always that crowd that will like kind of you know, stick around and like really get something out of the karaoke and yeah. the shows. I mean, songwriting is all about that spark of recognition, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you want to understand something, so you listen to music, or you want to understand something, so you write a song. And like, by using stuff that's already out there, I mean, you just make that so much more powerful, you know? I mean, like, when you're a teenager or whatever, I mean, you're not filtering things exactly through... I mean, you filter things through your own experience, but then you think you have song lyrics, and I mean, that never changes, you know? I mean, it's all about... Pre we interpret the world through pre-existing material that we receive and then interpret again. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you write songs the same way. I feel it would feel dishonest not to steal stuff. Mm -hmm. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and when you play live, it seems like you reimagine your own songs just a little bit, I guess, to make it more energetic for a live setting. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad about the way you guys rearrange Police Academy. Like it's from like this kind of soft rock song. Like it's, it's like it's completed the hermeneutic circle. Yes. Like like start off yeah. as a spanned out ballet song, I turn to this weepy folk thing and turn it back into a spanned out ballet song. That's re that's really exciting to me, yeah. It just it just happened naturally. I don't know. It's really it seemed intuitive when you guys start playing it like that. That was the first song we played together, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. It's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, it's probably the song that has the most borrowed material in it, and it's probably the best song I've written, <laughs> so... I'm so it proves your point. Yeah, yeah I look forward to my Sinatra covers album. I guess, but, yeah. But, um, yeah, I change lyrics a lot when I'm singing live, like, I mean, because there are some which I just got wrong on the album, they should have been something else. Like, um, I know in Masking Tape I always sing it, instead of, like, uh, there's like a line about knowing people that you see and the things you do. It's always things that you see and people that you screw live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone else really has picked up from that. No, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, it's, it's more dead on that way. Do you mean like you literally made a mistake while recording or you just realized later that that I was a better line? I realized later that that would have been a better line, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And there are, a few, there are a lot of mistakes on that. Because like uh, the, the the manner of it being recorded, there were a lot of mistakes on that album. Yeah, whatever. I like them. Maybe the next one will be better. Let's see. Um, I'm really curious about Hillary Clinton because uh, or your favorite. song Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I think it's my favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could, that song is like a really good example of how I write songs. Like I, I had that line, like just the oh, Hillary died and like just stuck in my head like in like 2012 or something um and i guess that song ultimately like it kind of imagines like hillary clinton um just you know being fucked over and disappointed in like her early 20s or something like i mean it could be hillary clinton it could be anybody like that's kind of the point i mean it's a song about expectation and hope and not getting what you came for mm -hmm. 
and so they're being left holding holding your brains in your hands mm-hmm. essentially um and like that i guess that was another empathetic exercise kind of thing because i think that was something i probably did to people a few times um and uh, like i think when you kind of abstract it to like you know someone like hillary clinton having that kind of experience but she probably did i mean she and bill you know they had, they had a lot of stuff going on i was reading like i only decided that was hillary clinton after reading like part of like this biography of bill clinton in like a thrift store <laughs> once i always pick up book, books in thrift stores because i feel like that's where everything's going to come from i just leaf through them um i want to write about george w bush um and Laura uh, keeping their aborted fetus, not aborted, of course, uh, their miscarried fetus uh, on their uh, windowsill for like years. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's Man- true. Yeah, mantelpiece, windowsill. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like a reminder, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Albatross around your neck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rhyme the ancient Republican. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, so yeah, Hillary's all about um, just being let down. I'm not sure how to interpret it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure where to go from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a song which had like 900 sets of alternate lyrics before the ones that happened happened. Yeah. Yeah. So the rest are neither. But yeah, I really enjoy that song. Also, that's a song which I don't think has any borrowed lines in it. There might be one or two. Oh, no, I think I've already something about ripping shingles from a Juju song. Oh, yeah. 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 This is the worst vacation ever. <laughs> I'm going to break your head open with a roofing shingle. Yeah. yeah. You gotta have a refined palate. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think I picked up on that actually. You're oh, pretty okay. good at dropping obscure references yeah. in life as well as music. So. Yeah. yeah, talking to me must just be <laughs> exhausting. It, it is. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> thanks, for these, <laughs> thanks for these questions by the way I've never been yeah, asked these questions, questions. Yeah. Oh, no st- I've never gotten an interview like this I'm, I'm really grateful that, we, that I can kind of just like sit next to you and listen yeah. to your two TCs yeah I'm loving this interview yeah, I'm loving this I'm loving it right now let's point out some great things we've seen on our way here, for well, example, that, that, that ad- no, 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 I'd love to. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that I'm advertisement sorry. that we saw is <laughs> yeah. so cool, right? Yeah, we on our way down. Ice cream flavors. So cool. <laughs> yeah, we we, we so we drove down from Brattleboro yesterday, and we got stuck on the turnpike for five hours. And, like, we kept seeing this advertisement for Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee flavors. Um, and it, the, like, the advertising campaign is just, ice cream flavors, so cool. <laughs> it was like someone forgot to edit. Like, it was just like, yeah, It was right. like, it was right. like a placeholder. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Farm so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> you need your VIP pass. It's like the sixth circle of hell is just, like, failed copywriters, you know, when, like, Dante's in front of we were just talking about the um, the ice cream flavors thing. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> How are we on time? We so wow. 30? 10.30. I'm very close yeah. to being done. I'm oh, almost yeah. at what else do you want the world to know? Or does it? Oh. Okay. I just um, want to know what are your plans for when you get back to Perth? Um, 
this is an album that hopefully I might have ready by the end of September and October. Mm -hmm. um, I just gotta. I mean, there's a lot of fucked up shit going on at home, so I've gotta kind of sort that out. I really everyone wants of money. Like, I feel really bad because there's this line in uh, the first song of the album about my brother owing me money. That was that last like two weeks. <laughs> I owe him so much money. I I I knew, I'm not even keeping track of it anymore. So yeah, so but I'm really, I'm gonna be really disappointed, I'm really sad to leave these guys alone just because I love them all to bits, but mm -hmm. also because they're by far like the best band I've ever had or probably ever will have. Mm -hmm. It's because it's just so easy, and they get it, and they're really excited. Mm -hmm. and I'm excited, and it's been really beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, it would be cool if there was some weird like parallel universe thing that happened where like. Where you board. you look at your Bandcamp stats in like a week and you're like, whoa, someone from Perth downloaded my music. And then you're like, hey, this is really weird, but uh, I, I am studying abroad in Burlington, <laughs> but I actually <laughs> live in Perth. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Do you know the origin story behind this? No. We have an uh, origin story. Yeah, yeah well. Sure. We have a band mythology. Yeah, I was oh. studying abroad at UVM and uh, someone from that postcode had downloaded my album. I saw that in the the Bandcamp metadata. Yeah, he knows about Bandcamp. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, I just it was, emailed that address, and it was ctepper at gmail dot com. I emailed it, and <laughs> that's not my email address. C but, but no, no. But Tepper thank you for C? keeping it yeah. uh, anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what spam mail from Greg's podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I emailed her, and I kind of feel really bad because I waited like four or five weeks before doing it. I could have, could have done it earlier. Okay, but also, this yeah. is like before, like, you didn't, like, I didn't know that Alex was like, I didn't know Alex, I didn't know, like, that you were in America. Yeah. I just, like, downloaded this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rando album, and here we are. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry that sound is my dog. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that dog's so big. Yeah, he's it's great. it's yeah. frightening. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I want to keep recording with these guys somehow. I mean, Griffin's uh, discovering his you know um, keyboardist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I guess. I just, I just, I mean, like, I'm gonna make an album every year, no matter what happens. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just, that's just what I do. It's just mm -hmm. something I have to do. Like, if I didn't do it, I'd be like drowning kittens or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the next album and one after that, and hopefully playing with these guys again. Mm -hmm. It's our last gig today. Yeah, forever, mm -hmm. probably. Probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, hey, you know, reunion show. Slint can do it. <laughs> yes. you know, anyway. Did you record that show last night? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been telling people I'm going to record every show. I haven't recorded one yet. So. <laughs> I'll let me have it. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, picking up the slack. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, of course. Greg. Is there anything else you guys want the world to know? Get us out. Get us out <laughs> of the world. <laughs> um, I don't know. I must escape this basement. <laughs> I kind of wish people in Australia would start listening to my music. I don't know, I feel like more people listen to it here than over there. Well, you know Greg has a huge follow, yeah. <laughs> 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 I 
I've got connections. Scott and Charlie Twitter. Yeah. Emailed them once. Yeah, I emailed him once and then he emailed me back. So like that's a pretty cool thing that I set up. Nice. You have an email address that's so cool. My dad has one, he lets me use it to sign up for websites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, let the record note that I'm currently embracing Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thank Great. you, guys.